Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. He's Greg Bedard. I'm Nick Cattles. All right, Greg, before we get started, something very troubling in your notes today that we have to address. You had a dream that involved Jared Stidham and Nate Burleson. What the hell's going on with your brain right now? Uh, Yeah, seriously, I get this. Usually it's around draft time or, you know, because normally the Patriots sit out a lot of free agency. So uh, not much is going on. It usually gets closer to the draft where everybody's throwing out different. Well, what if the Patriots did this? And what if they traded this? And what if they did that? And normally I have some sort of weird ass dream. <laughs> I had a weird ass dream last night that uh, news broke that Jared Stidham was traded, I think to Seattle, I think okay. for Nate Burleson. So, you know, and, and most people will know that Nate Burleson no longer plays in the NFL, <laughs> that he's on the NFL network now. So I'm all sorts of messed up, Nick. That's, so let's, I mean, let's, that's, let's talk it out. That's an interesting trade for Seattle. I mean, they didn't have to give up anything and they got a backup quarterback possibly yes. for a guy who's on TV. All right, let, let's talk about the real world now, Greg. A couple of big re-signings yesterday. Uh, I think both of them, to me, was a, you know, they were a surprise. I did yep. not expect James White to be back. I thought that ship had sailed. Apparently, it had not. White back on a one-year deal, about two and a half, two and a half million guaranteed. Your thoughts on that decision by White and that decision by the Patriots? Yeah, I was a, I, I was a little bit surprised by this. Um, everything that I had heard up till now uh, pointed to White going to Florida, where his mom um, is still, I think, recovering from the car accident. Uh, that she had in September uh, with her husband, James' dad, where he um, he died as a result of his injuries. And so that was a pretty traumatic thing for him all year. And and uh, there were a lot of people around the NFL who thought he was destined uh, first for Miami, but then it looked like that wasn't going to happen for some reason. I think it might be because um, – and we've sort of talked about this, Nick, and, and – uh, Oh, I know. I talked about it on Felger and Maz, and it got the South Florida media all a buzz. You know, people are calling me and you know throwing bombs and things like that. But <clears throat> from what I've heard, let's just say that the a lot of Patriots are not getting good feedback on what's going on with the Dolphins. And really, hmm. the feeling around a lot of people is if you end up with the Dolphins, you're straight going for the bag. And Adam Butler, I think, signed with them this year. Probably was his best offer. Um, I'm, I think Alandon Roberts just signed back. I don't know how many offers he had. Uh, but, you know, 
we really didn't hear James's name with the Dolphins very much uh, during this free agency period. There was a there was a hint at it early on, and then from what I heard, White was basically signed, sealed, and delivered to the Bucks because that's what Brady wanted, and Brady was engineering it. But I guess that was uh, not good information or incomplete information. But he's back, and I look. I think it's good that James White's back. They don't really have another guy like him, even though JJ Taylor has maybe some of that potential. Um, I, I still, you know, he was an undrafted guy for a reason. I think he has upside, but I think it's very limited. And uh, I, look, I think James White coming back is good. Which James White are we going to get? And yeah. and look, I don't blame him for having a subpar year last year. There was a lot of stuff going on, and then the, everything with his parents. I don't even want to know what that's like to deal with. You know. I, I just don't, and I don't think you do either. And so yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that uh, that he's that what he did last year was not good enough, and they need to move on. I don't know. I don't know what's in the guy's head. I'll just tell you what was on film and what was on the field, and what was on field. Uh, what what was on both was a James White who had his worst year basically since 2015, all around. That's what the stats tell you. Yeah. That's what the film tells you. His 10 quarterback pressures was as many as the previous three years combined. Was that his off field being distracted off the field? I could totally understand that. We'll see. And the Patriots must believe that because if they thought he was on his downside with a lot of miles, then they probably wouldn't bring him back. But look, I'd rather have James White than go it alone. I don't know if he really fits Cam Newton, but – We'll see what happens. Yeah, his blitz pickup was terrible last year. Yep. He didn't seem as quick as he has been in the past as well. Uh, mm-hmm. And who knows? Like you said, who knows about the off-the-field stuff, the crap he yep. went through uh, all last year. It was a really rough year for him personally. That could absolutely affect him. But I don't mind the signing. I don't think you mind the signing. They needed no. a pass-catching running back. This is a guy who knows the system. He's been trusted for so many years. He's made more plays than he hasn't. So hopefully last year was the hiccup that we're talking about, and he's able to kind of get things aligned away from the field a little bit better this year, and he's able to, you know, get back to who he once was. Uh, The other signing, and my man, oh, my man, Greg Bedard, he had these dancing gifts on Twitter. He probably had a little bit of extra ice cream last night or something. I mean, when I saw the fact that Lawrence Guy (laughs) was returning on a four-year deal, whether or not it's going to be a four-year deal or not, we'll see. Of course, a lot of funny money and crap like that. But the point being, Greg Bedard's binky, his guy on the defensive line, Lawrence Guy, is back your guy and mine uh, <laughs> <laughs> i feel like doing an introduction for him yeah i think it's i think it's great news and i know there are a lot of people um you know uh let's just say underinformed people like your former uh nightside colleague oh. who who doesn't understand the signing because they signed like devin gadchow and and other people you know, people, those people just don't really understand what the Patriots do on defense. And if you looked at what they did, there was still an opening for a Lawrence guy type. And I really think it came down to, and you, if you looked at the timing with everything and Dominican Sue and Lawrence guy, we talked about it on the podcast the other day. Yep. Um, I thought that the Patriots were going to come out ahead in the, in the Sioux 
uh, race, which I advise them not to do. Um, pointing back at the Danny Shelton, Bo Allen thing. Uh, I, I don't know how things went down. Maybe Brady made a push for Sue to stay, what have you. Maybe the Bucks just offered Sue a little bit more money, which would not be surprising because he's pretty much been a mercenary his entire career. And so once you saw Sue going back to the Bucks, then it was pretty much limited. And again, we get back into the Dolphins. So are you going to go to the Dolphins and just grab the bag and get the cash? Because Or are you going to listen to your ex-teammates and what they had to say about playing in Miami and be like, I really don't want to go there? Yeah. And uh, as we heard with Kyle Van Noy when he was asked yesterday uh, about Brian, Flo- what's the difference between Brian Flores, the defensive coordinator with the Patriots and the head coach? And he said, no comment. I think that says a lot. And so Guy had a choice of either going to the Dolphins or staying with the Patriots. And I'm glad the Patriots stepped up. Yeah, like you said, the four-year offer, there's probably a couple dummy years in there. Um, I don't care. But as far as the Patriots defense goes, Godchow is a nose tackle. Henry Anderson is more of a sort of tweener edge guy. He could basically play anywhere on the line. He's more of a backup type. Yep. Uh, where he could fit in anywhere um, from he could even stand up on the outside and play outside linebacker. And then uh, the other guy that they signed from the Packers, I'm never going to learn this guy's name. I didn't know it last <laughs> week. <laughs> I'm just going to call him. I'm just going to call him the other guy. Wait, hang on. It's right here. Uh, Montravius Adams. Yes. Uh, you know, the fifth Beatle. We'll, we'll call him. <laughs> but, so they got him and he's more of a backup type also, but more of a Lawrence guy backup type. Now they have the real deal. And so now you have a real front for this defense. And I think that's exciting. And I think, you know, look, he doesn't put up splashy stats or things like that. But Lawrence Guy, since he signed with the Patriots a few years ago, he's been one of their down-to-down most consistent and best football players. And I'm glad that he's back. And he makes them, him and Godchow in the middle, now they have a real interior. Like those two guys can defend the run almost by themselves. And yes, I'm come. I'm some. I'm somewhat excited about that. I, I could tell. Yeah, listen, I, I'm a big Lawrence guy fan. There's no doubt about it. The the one thing that I just noticed watching him is he works his ass off. He plays hard. He was getting double teamed so much last year because everybody knew that he was the only guy on that defensive line worth the hell defending the run. So, of course, he was getting doubled, and and he was working as hard as he could possibly work, and he still made some plays. I I think he's good, and I think he's going to look even better with more talent around him. So I'm a huge fan of White and Guy coming back. The contracts don't look like they're going to kill the Patriots or handcuff them in any kind of way. The other thing I think we should mention here, Greg, David Andrews, White, guy these guys returning to the team with with so much changing on this roster which we'll get to in a minute with so much change it does matter it matters to have some of that stability not to say that these new guys wouldn't be able to figure it out and belichick wouldn't be able to figure it out but it certainly helps to have that patriots experience the guys that have been there in that core that core of almost the team's soul I think that helps when you've got guys like that returning to the program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, Nick, I completely agree with you. I think that um, you're talking about guys. And, and look, I don't think any of these guys got what they wanted to on the market. Certainly, Andrews, I think Guy thought he had a chance to maybe get his last big contract. Um, you know, So there might be a little bit of um, 
a little bit of unhappiness there, but I, I think this, these guys quickly you, you look. They tried. There wasn't much out there. Um, I, I, it's blown my mind. It just went over my mind. I have not looked at David Andrews' contract. I think I don't know if he can get out after a year or what have you. But anyways, the point is, you, your point is correct. Um, having the leadership back on the Patriots and those guys, you know, Andrews on the in the middle of the offensive line making all the checks and calls. Uh, Lawrence guy in the middle, uh, leading a totally revamped, basically defensive line and, uh, between high tower and guy, now you have two guys in the front seven who can really lead where, um, they didn't have a whole lot of that last year. And, and I think it's, I think it's really good news, um, you know, for the Patriots going forward. And Greg, this team, they had a laundry list of things they had to address this off season. Just three weeks ago, we would have had that list. It might have taken us two or three podcasts to go through yep. each weakness, each hole on that roster. How do you feel right now about the composition of that roster after the free agency period that we've seen this team have? I love it. I mean, look, there there are very few weaknesses on this team. Um, look, nobody's saying that wide receiver is proven or that they're going to be great there with Aguilar coming in and Kendrick Bourne and you guys, you'd be a fool or just a Patriots fan to say that. I mean, they're unproven, but it looks good on paper. It looks good. And on paper, uh, the offensive line looks great. Tight end looks great. Uh, I think they have a good backfield. Um, they'll probably be looking to add somebody else at some point. I don't think they need to do it now. I think they can wait either for the draft or what have you. I think, I think now we've learned that the Patriots ha are more of a three running back team. Yeah. Four, if you include the pass catcher, they always yep. have like a Rex Burke type, a Rex Burkehead type. And I doubt that he's back anytime soon with the ACL. So they could be looking for another sort of swing guy there. But I think, you know, with um, Damian Harris and Sonny Michelle, they look good. I think the defensive line looks great. The edges look great with Van Noy and Judon. Linebacker, I would say, is still a little weak. I think we would all agree on that. Now, we don't know what Josh Uche, where he is in these plans. Do they see him standing up? Is Kyle Duggar a linebacker? These are all things, Nick, that we're not really going to know until they're on the field right. in training camp. But I think those guys will definitely get looks there. And I and I don't hate it. I don't, You know, I want to see it. I think that Uche has a lot of potential. I think that Duggar is you know, you know how I feel about him. The the listeners do that. You know, when I saw him on the field last year against Seattle, I was like, holy crap, this kid's going to be a star. He is, he is their version of, and it's slipping my mind. Jamal Who's the guy Adams? who went from the Jets? Jamal Adams. Uh, where Jamal Adams is, you know, a box safety, but he's great. I think, you know, he, a box safety is basically a linebacker. And I think that Duggar has that potential to be a star in that role. And and we'll see how it develops. The The, the cornerback, We'll have to see how things go. Like, what's the future with Stephon Gilmore? I think at this point in time, given the dead money that they would have trading him or cutting him this year, I think the the smart thing is trying to be appeal to the business side of Stephon Gilmore because we all know that he has uh, a business side for, considering what's transpired the past couple of years and say, look, Stephon, the smart thing for you and for us, here, here's an extra $5 million this year or what, what have you, three in incentives or whatever. Yep. Uh, let, it allows you to get healthy. Um, it allows you to show the rest of the league that you're still a defensive player of the year type. And 
let's go from there. And if you, you look good, if we get a good offer, maybe we trade you at the trade deadline. If not, you hit free agency after the season and you do have one last chance to get a decent deal and we'll let you go and all that stuff. Like let's, I think that's the smart thing for both sides. We'll see, you know, whether it happens, if that happens and Gilmore's healthy, I think that's the best case scenario for them. But other than that, I don't think the Patriots have a lot of holes and it, it, Nick, like you said, it's amazing. The amount, I think I counted like 11 or 12 real holes in this roster before free agency started. And look, quarterback, there's still a lot of work to do there, in my opinion. But never in our wildest imagination did we really think that they were going to fill them with starter-type people, like all the holes. And so, but Belichick did what he always does, which is he always, without question, goes into each draft without a glaring hole on the roster. Or at least he tries to give the appearance. He'll sign a street-free agent to say, all right, well, worst comes to worst, they can line up tomorrow and play with this guy. He's a professional, what have you. And they do that on purpose because now nobody knows which way they're going to go in the draft. And people can't hold them for ransom for, hey, you're really just missing an edge rusher, so you're trading up while I want an extra pick out of you. Now – now Belichick, he, nobody could tell what he's going to do in the draft, and that's exactly where he wants to be. Just want to circle back to Gilmore for a second. I think you look at these other cornerback deals. I tweeted this over the weekend at Nick C Radio that the deals that are being signed, aside from the Adoree Jackson deal with the Giants, which was just awful, mm-hmm. Dave Bettleman, I, like Adoree Jackson, he, he was going to be released pretty much either way, and the Giants could have easily shipped a sixth or seventh round pick over to Tennessee to bring Jackson in, get a one-year look-see on the guy, and then decide whether or not you want to dump money into him. Instead, they give him a three-year, $39 million deal. I'm sure a lot of funny money with that. But you look around, aside from the Jackson-Gettleman deal, you know, you look at guys like Fuller signing a one-year deal, $9.5 million for Denver. You look at Patrick Peterson getting a one-year deal, $10 million in Minnesota. So you look at the cornerback market, and Gilmore, I, I think if he looks around, as you said, he's got a business side, he'll understand that the cornerback market is not hot right now. He's better than mm-hmm. those guys I mentioned, but Fuller is a pro bowler, and Patrick Peterson has long been one of the better corners in the league. He's aging now in his 30s, but so is Gilmore. You, you look at these contracts, and I think there's a lot less for Gilmore to stand on and draw the hard line. I do think it makes it more likely that Gilmore might be willing to play some ball with the Patriots and sit down at the table. Uh, let's look at some other guys quickly. 30 seconds to a minute, Greg, your thoughts. Guys that possibly could get dealt. We've already talked about Gilmore. Nikhil Harry, a lot of stuff out there. John Kime from ESPN in the last day or so mentioned that Washington was looking at Harry. The rumor is that the Patriots are not going to take anything less than a fourth-round pick for the wide receiver. Where do you think we're headed with Nikhil Harry? Uh, I think they should. I think they should move on. I mean, you know, look, I think he's a good kid. I think he's tried. Uh, I just don't think it's going to work for him here uh, for whatever reason. And I think they just need to move on. I mean, you know, we heard Cam last year talk about how uh, or on that podcast that um, Harry was, quote unquote, battered um, here. And I I don't know where that came from. I don't know if that was Brady or what have you or the coaches, but um, that's not a good sign. And I know that Cam Newton put in a lot of work with Nikhil Harry last year and it didn't really come to fruition. So what's really going to change? And you just spent, you know, how many million dollars, uh, you know, to bring in wide receivers? Like 
you know, move him for a fourth round pick, whatever. Um, maybe, maybe another player that could help you somewhere. Um, just, I think it's time to move on. Yeah. I, I think, listen, I, I still believe in Harry. I still think he can be an NFL wide receiver. I still think he can be a number two, but I also think that things might be enough for him in new England now. And and sometimes you just need a change and he might be in that position. As you mentioned, the cam, uh, the cam comments as well on the podcast. So, and, and let's not forget, you know, wide receiver, there's a lot of depth in this year's draft at wide receiver. Again, upwards of 20 to 25 guys could go in the first three or four rounds. So if you yep. do Harry for a third or fourth round pick, Maybe you replace him with guy, uh, Chase Winovich. Uh, you know, we talked about this the other day. Um, what kind of role is he going to have on this team now with, you know, Judon here and Kyle Van Noy back? Uh, look, he's a nice, useful piece to have. I understand that. But maybe you find a team that says, you know what, we view him as a starter. He would start for us. Um, maybe more of a team with that, that looks for, uh, more attacking guys in their defense on the edges. Um, say even like a, you know, a Seattle or somebody like that. Uh, I, I would look to deal them. I just don't understand the point you've locked in with Judon. Kyle Van Noy is probably going to be here for a while. Uh, I, I don't understand the point. Plus you have Anthony Jennings and Josh Uche that you, that you drafted last year. I think it's I think it's time to move on. All right, we look at the tight end position. We've got obviously Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry now as Patriots. What's that mean for Devin Asiasi? Could he be gone? Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's good for him. I think Dalton Keene's in a different uh, category because he's more of an H back. Yep. Um, a lot of things did not go well for Asiasi last year behind the scenes with this team, and you know, in general, Nick. My, my comment for, you know, whether it's Winovich or Harry or now Devin Asiasi is like, and it's sort of what we talked about before with what they've done with this free agency class. They, they bought themselves time to correct the draft youth pipeline. Obviously they didn't like what they saw with any of these guys. <laughs> right. They didn't think any of these guys were future starters with what they've done. So what's the point in keeping them around to be bit, bit players go trade them, get you what you can, and let's let Dave Ziegler and whoever start to go nuts in the draft and let's get the next guys. Like, let's just – you you reset, just go all the way. Reset. Reset with the draft. They're cheaper. You have them for younger. Um, maybe they might replace uh, these free agent starters that you've signed at some point in time, two, three years down the road. Start the clock over again for all these guys. Last one, Joan Williams. Same thing. <laughs> Look, it didn't work. He doesn't have a position. Um, send him somewhere. Give him the Duke Dawson, uh, you know, giveaway. See you later, Duke. Um, and use a draft pick to draft another cornerback that will fit better what you're doing. Let's just let's reset the roster, the younger part, so that two, three years down the road, you now have viable starters that you've draft developed have the talent that are ready to replace these guys because that's where it all broke down for the Patriots and personnel. They didn't, because of their problems drafting going back about five years, they didn't have youngsters ready to replace the older guys. So they just kept the older guys. They got expensive and old and clogged up the cap. The Patriots used this money. It was very rare, a chance to reset, do it the right way. I mostly loved what they've done 
in free agency like you. I mean, you and I are pretty much on the same page about what they've been able to accomplish. But we all know the 5,000-pound elephant in the room still remains the quarterback position. A couple of news and notes outside of New England over the past few days since you and I last met up with this podcast. Something you had mentioned on the last podcast ended up being true. Greg, you mentioned about Marcus Mariota. We talked about how Mariota finally worked out his contract, which was something that was getting in the way of him being moved this offseason. And you had mentioned on the last podcast, that's why you want to keep listening to this bad boy, um, (laughs) that Marcus Mariota, you could probably make a great case that he ends up with a no-trade clause. Uh, You reached out. A source told you that, yes, indeed, Mariota does have a no-trade clause. What does that mean for his future, and what does that mean for a possible connection with the Patriots? Yeah, smart move by Mariota and his uh, his represent representation. Uh, we talked about it. I you don't just get take a pay cut out of the goodness of your heart in the NFL. At least you want something back. And it made sense to me that Marcus would say, "All right, Raiders, I like where I am. I like Gruden. I like this offense. I like to develop. Who knows? Maybe Carr gets benched. I become a starter. What have you? I like my situation here, uh, but." All yes, it makes me more tradable, but I'm not just going to let you trade me anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Like I want to have a say in this. Like yep. who the hell wants to end up in Houston right now? Ooh. Like which is which is possible. Um, so you know, I, I think I think it, Mariota now controls everything. Do I think it's it, it makes it less likely that he's dealt to New England anytime soon? Yeah, probably. I don't think that I don't think that Mariota would love to play here. Um. We'll have to see on that. Things can change, but uh, I, I thought that was smart, and I think it. I to me, it's he's there for the rest of the season as a backup. Um, it's. I think it does say some things about Mariota. Some of the things that we talked about, some of the negatives with him, in terms of you know how much does he want to compete and and, and things like that. Uh, but you know, I I think he's there with the Raiders this year. I think this almost solidifies that and uh, we'll have to see what happens down the road also the Jags go out they sign CJ Beathard looks like he's going to be their backup quarterback behind as we all assume Trevor Lawrence will be the guy there uh, once April rolls around which means Greg Bedard Minshew mania is going to be on the block so what's going to happen with uh, Minshew mania and uh, could the mustachioed one actually end up as a patriot when all is said and done yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's an interesting situation. Look, most people think he's going to end up in San Francisco. Um, then that could start some dominoes. Like, and who knows what's going to happen? I mean, at this point, even the Patriots don't know what's going to happen. But do I think that say the do I think that Minshew is going to get traded to the Patriots? I doubt it. Um, I think that it's Cam, like we've said before, as of now, it's Cam and a draft pick and and what have you, leaving themselves open for uh, another scenario, a quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, whoever. Um, Do I, most people think that he's going to go to the 49ers, that, uh, you know, the 49ers sort of cleared the deck. Um, Beathard is now in in Jacksonville and uh, what have you. And Minshew would make a lot of sense. Like if you're going to go with Jimmy for another year or so, Minshew would be a better backup and give you a chance to compete if you're the 49ers instead of just falling off when your quarterback gets hurt. And so I understand that. Now, 
here's another scenario, Nick, that I've heard from people in the league that they think is possible. Who knows whether it happens. But the 49ers get Minshew, and basically he they they got him to be the placeholder for a draft quarterback that they go up and get. Huh. So basically the, the the 49ers would trade for Minshew. Now they have Garoppolo and Minshew. Then in the draft, Shanahan and Lynch trade up for the quarterback that they want, and they think he can start this year. Eventually, they just need a placeholder. $25 million placeholder is kind of expensive. Right. And so what that does is that allows them to trade Garoppolo at some point in time um, to New England or wherever. But that's one of the scenarios I heard. The Jimmy G stuff is not going to die, folks. Never. Uh, This leads us to the next thing. Uh, You know, we talked about Mariota. We talked about Minshew. As far as veterans go, of course, Jimmy G is still lingering around uh, the the New England facilities and their brains and all that. But the next step is the draft. And so we look at the draft to try to figure out whether or not the Patriots are going to plan to bring in somebody at the quarterback position who has a future here and, and somebody that fans might be able to get excited about. There's a lot of options, Greg. I mean, they could try to trade up in the draft. They could stick and pick at 15. Mel Kuyper has Mac Jones going 15th to the Patriots in his latest mock. Uh, yep. They could get one late in the first round, early in the second round, or they could wait. They could wait until the third or fourth round and find a mid-round guy. Uh, right now, how would you rank all of those? Like from 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 yep. least likely, let's go least likely to most likely. Out of all those possible scenarios, what do you think the Patriots do come draft time at the quarterback position? Okay. Least likely of those four options, in my opinion, from what I know, I would say trade up in the draft yeah. is the least likely option. That's, that's, that what, was, that's what I was hoping for. You're crushing my dreams, Greg. Yeah, I'm, I, I know. But I just – and look, people don't take this to the bank. You know, this is an educated guess from people that right. I've talked to. And things – the thing is, things change by the moment. Like, the Patriots are still – there's still a value on waiting all these quarterbacks. Zach Wilson hasn't even had his pro day. There is so much to change between now and the end of April when the draft is. It's, a fair it's point. not even funny, but but as of today, I would tell you that I think the least likely scenario is them trading up. Let's say, and, and let's put that as a caveat. Let's say trading up into the top eight. Okay. okay. I think that's the least likely scenario. So you, Could so- they make a little leap? Maybe. Yeah, because some some mock drafts out there have it, have them leaping up to nine with Denver, and and drafting you know a Trey Lance or a Mac Jones at nine. So you wouldn't necessarily write that one off. It's just if you're looking at a trade with Miami, which I think is very unlikely anyway because the in division yep. rivalry. But if you're looking at Miami at three, if you're looking at Philadelphia at six, in case they want to move down and they don't want to draft a quarterback, maybe they believe in Hurts. If yep. you're looking at Detroit. At seven, Detroit just restructured the deal for Jared Goff. Looks like he's going to hang around at least through 2022. Uh, you don't think that's likely. Uh, all right, so the, the second least likely. Trading up in the draft is the least likely. We've got get one at 15, stick and pick. Get one late first round to early second round or get one in the third round. I'm going to say get one in the third round. I'm going to say that's my next least likely. Okay. I just I don't think they're going to wait that long. I have a feeling – 
I'm going to kick myself for saying that um, <laughs> for some reason. Uh, but I'm going to say that's the second least likely is that they wait until like, say, third or fourth round. I do think they're going to get one. And I think I said this last time, 98% chance they get a quarterback in the top three rounds. I just think the third round is too long. All right. So do they stick and pick or do they try to sneak in late first round or move up early second round to land that guy? The runner up in the next quarterback for the New England Patriots contest is get one at 15. Oh. Which means get one late in the first round, second round, you are the winner. Uh, so, yeah, I think that get one at 15, I think is, I, I just don't think it happens for a variety of reasons. Number one, I think they could very likely trade down out of 15. Number two, there might be is with an anticipated quarterback rush that is going to push down a lot of really good players, yeah, including possibly. And I think that they're most likely to go defense, even though I wouldn't completely rule out offensive tackle uh, because Trent Brown's just on a one-year deal, and who knows with Isaiah Win? I don't think it's out of the of the question that they do that, but I think. Um, I think they're more likely to trade down or to take a really good prospect at 15 instead of, quote-unquote, reaching for a quarterback at 15. All right, so there you have it. They, it looks like Greg's telling us that uh, if the Patriots add to the quarterback room, which seems likely on draft day or draft weekend, it'll be late first round, early second, maybe a Lamar Jackson-type move. Maybe the Patriots move back from 15 and draft a guy. Maybe they yep. move back a couple of times and draft a guy. Maybe they move into the first round late in the first round because they stick and pick at 15. Somebody they like, like Parsons at Penn State, maybe. Uh, you know, maybe they trade back in late first round, a la Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. Uh, the BostonSportsJournal.com member question of the day. Check us out over at BSJ 11 cents a day, the annual plan. And of course, you get access to a ton of video analysis that Bedard does on the coaches' film and direct access to him in weekly chats. Uh, here's the question don't have a name. Just going to. A lovely Boston Sports Journal oh, yeah. reader asked the question. It's fine. Uh, do they bring Brian Flores back if he's out of Miami at the end of the year, or are Mayo and the Belichick spawn the real future? <laughs> All right. So I picked this question just to talk about Flores a little bit more. I I didn't know if we were going to talk about him, so we did talk about him a little bit in the issues down there, and we have. Um, is it just his treatment of players, Greg? Is that what they're getting at? Just he, he maybe he rubs guys. Maybe because he's no longer the rah rah DC, he's the head coach, and with that responsibility, maybe just maybe he rubs guys the wrong way. Because I I haven't heard anything. I have no idea. I'm throwing it against the wall. Is it his treatment of players that that might be the thing? Or to tell you the truth, I don't really have a ton of specifics on it. I do know that just in general. The whole vibe down there, he is getting a little little billish down mm. there in terms of, you know, they're driving the guys really hard. Um, some of the assistant coaches, uh, you know, sort of get after the players a lot. Then you put on top of that, that, and and I don't know how this translates to the players. Maybe it filters down to them, but they've been a little bit cheap in terms of what they play, pay. Um, the coach, the assistant coaches and the coordinators and things like that. And I know that has sent people away, even right. some people who know Flores very well before. But I think 
you know, I think they're 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 walking a tightrope down there on whether this is really going to work or it's really going to go bad. And what's interesting, I picked this because knowing Flores and the type of person that he is, and look, I could be completely wrong. This is a guess, but my inclination is to say, like, I don't think Flores would come back here at least not immediately. I think that he would be too proud too uh wanting to prove a point that he's not all about Belichick and Belichick didn't make me and you know look I'm not just going to be Patricia to be like you know I'm Bill's lapdog I'm just going to come back you know quote unquote whatever people think about Patricia I think and plus being with the Dolphins you've been the Patriots rival for the past few years um I think I think Flores is too prideful um too emotional to just come back to New England. I think he would rather stake out on his own and find another path than to come back here. But again, I could be totally wrong about that. The one thing about Miami that is very interesting, and you talk about Flores being you know stubborn or prideful, the one thing that really jumps out at me is his handling of the offensive staff. It has been an utter mess. They brought in O'Shea. Uh, he yep. then flipped the script and said, okay, we're not going to have O'Shea because the offense is, is too difficult to learn, which is outrageous. Like Flores was in New England for a long He was there. He knew what the offense was, and he flips the script and says, okay, we're going to get rid of Chad O'Shea because the offense is too difficult. So they go out and they bring a guy in who's too old school, Chan Gailey. They bring Gailey in Adam to be the OC yeah. for a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, for, for a Tua Tungavailoa type quarterback who needs to get the football out quick and, and you really need to give Tua the, you know, the kind of offense that runs in the NFL right now, the quick passing game, he's accurate in that game. He's, you know, and, and they bring in Gailey, which wasn't a mix. Everybody felt that way. Gailey's now gone. Now they have not one, but two guys who are co offensive coordinators and they still haven't said who's actually going to make the, the play calls on, on Sundays. And this is all happening when they spent a top five pick on a quarterback. I mean, the the one thing that Nick, how about this? Flores how about this? Well, one second. How about this? Three captains that they had: Karras, Van Noy, and Fitzpatrick are gone. And here's one other nugget that I'll tell you that I heard this, and I don't know that it's true. I'll just tell you this is sort of the scuttlebutt that's going along that Flores was plotting for months to replace Chad O'Shea, his friend that he coached with the uh, with the Patriots, right. for months before he fired him. Was already working behind the scenes. Like, this is the kind of stuff that's going around about Flores and the Dolphins that is not only going around among coaches, but also among agents, among players. And then, you know, I mean, just th this is the kind of stuff that's going around. You drafted a quarterback in the top five last year. He's going to have now three different offensive coordinators oh, in his first two seasons. Terrible. And it's just, it's an absolute mess. It's an, and you know, we always talk about the Patriots bringing in a quarterback and the most important thing is surrounding that guy and making sure that uh, he's going to be able to develop and he has enough around him. And Miami is not doing Tua any favors. They spent big money on Will Fuller, who is always injured. Maybe he works out this year. Maybe he doesn't. He's going to be suspended to start the season. But the one thing that Flores could have learned from his mentor, Bill Belichick, was, hey, you're a defensive guy. Maybe hand the reins off to somebody 
who you can trust, who can run the offense, a la Josh McDaniels. And Flores yep. obviously did not learn that lesson, and it's a mess down there with the offense. I, hey, I don't know what Nick, it's going to look like. Before we go, can I get a um, quick Celtics thought from you? Um, Woj, eight minutes ago, tweets, Boston is in serious talks to acquire Orlando guard Evan Fournier for two second-round picks, sources tell ESPN. Your reaction? Ugh. I mean, <laughs> I, I think— Apparently, that, they, they could also still work on an Aaron Gordon thing. I mean, I, listen, I like Fournier. He adds to the team. He adds to their shooting. That's what they desperately need. As a matter of fact, he won the, the game last night for the Magic uh, at the end of the game with, with a shot. Um, you know, he, he's— he helps them. He he'll be a guy that comes off the bench, you know, sixth or seventh guy who can score for you, who can shoot. So that's good. The reason why on the base, I don't love it. And listen, you're not giving up a lot, two second round picks. The issue is if that is the deal, if it's two second round picks for Fournier, now you're chewing into that trade exception that the Celtics have, which mm. to me is an issue because you have a $28.5 million trade exception. Uh, Fournier, I haven't looked at his deal. He was making 17 million, I think, or so to start the season. So he's probably going to count, you know, a, a decent little chunk towards that trade exception. So I wonder, you know, before I go nuts, is that the first move of a couple of moves? I, I right. think, you know, if, if Ainge is moving for, you know, for Fournier and he's chewing some into that trade exception. Well, is the next move Tristan Thompson and something else to bring somebody else in with another piece of that trade exception? Now the bigger picture makes a little bit more sense. Fournier, he helps the team on the edges. And what I would, my initial gut reaction, Greg, to that is if they bring in Fournier, I think there's another shooter drop because I don't think Ainge is going to make one trade at the trade deadline to fix the fringe, you know, the, the, the bench problem. Right. I think he understands they need more than a, a a bench guy who can score to help them. That it's a good start. It's a good start, but I want to know what the next step is in in how they use the rest of that TPE and do they have Marcus Smart, Tristan Thompson, and some other contracts that they plan on moving somewhere else? And then in the big picture, the finances make a lot more sense. But I like Fournier. I think he helps them. Uh, but it's not like, oh, yeah, you know, get the duck boats ready. They're going to be a top three seed with Evan Fournier. I, I would have to imagine another move. Another move is going to have to come here at some point down the road within the next few hours. Sounds good to me. All righty. That, that's, that's my best little Celtics take right off the top there of the go. head. He's Greg Bedard. I'm Nick Cattles. Subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Uh, we really appreciate everybody watching us. If you do that or listening to us on the pod, we'll be back next week early on. Maybe we'll have more Patriots news. Who knows? With this offseason, <laughs> as Kevin Garnett said, anything is possible. Everybody be good, be safe, be healthy, and enjoy your weekend.